Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 17 of The Wiles of Satan. Device 21. Satan will seek to make the duties of a Christian's general and particular calling interfere and clash one with another. There is a double calling in which every man is set. There is a general and a particular calling. It is termed our general calling, not only for its extent, but because the things we are called to are but one and the same and common to all. We are called to the same duties, to the same promises, to the same profession of faith. The particular calling is that in which men are not called to one and the same duty, but act according to various gifts, one in this employment, another in that. Now, both these are to be performed regularly. And the excellency of a Christian is when he so orders his particular calling that it does not eat up the time that is due to his general calling. And when he so orders his general calling that it does not take away the time that God has allotted for his particular calling. Satan's great art is to disturb Christians in the performance of these Some, therefore, are never quiet, but when they are hearing or praying, but their particular callings and relations, they almost never mind. This is Satan's design, to disturb them by putting them upon prayer when diligence is required in their particular calling. Others, he takes off from hearing and praying, and those duties which belong to Christians as such, under the pretense that they must provide for their families. He insinuates that while they care for their bodies, they may altogether neglect the care of the inward man. Therefore, know that it is a great part of a Christian's prudence and that which affords a great deal of comfort to duly manage both callings. Do not let the time of your callings devour the time of your duties, but let your soul have its portion of your time as well as your body. Separate, then, your souls for a season to go up in the mount and converse with God so that you may be more fit when you come down again to converse with men in your particular callings. Device 22. The last while is that at which the text hints. An endeavor of Satan to bring us from one extreme to another so that we may be kept from the golden mean wherein Grace stands as well as virtue, which you know is seated between two vices, as Solomon's throne was between two rows of lions. And this device he uses in matters of sin. 
in matters of duty and in matters of doctrine. In matters of sin, thus, the incestuous Corinthian is first puffed up with pride and sins presumptuously, and then when, by the censures of the church, he is awakened to see his sin, he is well nigh swallowed up with sorrow. In religious duties, Satan either tempts us to a neglect of them, or to such a rigorous tyranny that makes many to groan under them and lie under woeful snares. And this device he accounts the more prevalent because we are apt to think oft times that the very work of grace lies in the highest opposition to that sin or vice that sits heaviest upon our hearts, when indeed sins and vices are not only opposite to virtues, but one to another. Be sure, therefore, that grace lies in a middle way. Sorrow for sin is not desperation. Confidence in God is not presumption, but the middle way. Faith leaves both extremes and closes with God according to the rule of the word. In matters of doctrine, Basil wrote against Sibelius to overthrow his heresy uttered some inconvenient expressions about the Trinity. And Augustine, in his zeal against the Pelagians who slighted baptism, was carried out so that he pronounced those who died unbaptized not to be saved. Chapter 5 Antidotes Against the Wiles of Satan The next thing is to lay down some scripture antidotes and preservatives against the wiles of Satan that may keep you not from being tempted by Satan, but from being touched by the evil one, as St. John phrases it in 1 John 5.18, that the evil one touch you not. The word used there is the same word used in 1 Corinthians 7.1 regarding a man touching a woman. The evil one does not touch him so as to produce his own image and likeness upon him. Though I cannot undertake such antidotes and preservatives as shall totally free you from his wiles, yet I can lay down antidotes against his poison. These premonitions against his subtleties, such scripture armor against his rage and malice will if used, keep you from being overcome by him. Antidote 1. Christian sobriety and watchfulness. This we have from the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because 
your adversary, the devil, goeth about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Sobriety stands in a moderation towards the things of this life. Pleasures, riches, and honors are the usual baits with which Satan hides all his hooks and temptations so that they may not be easily discerned and an immoderate thirsting, a keen and eager appetite after these things is the ready way to bring a believer into the midst of snares. They who will be rich, says the apostle in 1 Timothy 6, 9, whose desires and appetites are filled with the great things of the world, fall into many snares. The snares sometimes strain their consciences by deceit. Sometimes they are to do evil actions, to make the stream of their actions great by the blood of others. But as we must be sober in tempering our hearts and affections, so we must be watchful, which is a duty required of us as Christians, but indispensably necessary as we are Christian soldiers engaged always in a war, though not always in a battle. A Christian has no peace but in his conscience and the grave. Nay, it is an irreconcilable controversy. It is a war without a truce. Therefore, a Christian's life is called a warfare. They are trained up not in the pleasures of the court, but in the hardness of the camp. Christ, who is their head, is therefore called in Scripture a man of war. Exodus 15.3 A leader and commander of the people. Isaiah 55.4 And a captain. Hebrews 2.10 Christians, who are his members, are called soldiers. 2 Timothy 2.3 Thou, therefore, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, endure hardship. Their course of life is called a fight. 2 Timothy 4.7 Those who oppose them are enemies. Luke 1.71 Their temptations are assaults. 1 Peter 2.11 Thus, as Chrysostom said, is confirmed by the authority of God himself, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the serpent. Therefore, we must carry ourselves as soldiers and maintain our watch. Now, Though watching in the first meaning relates to the body and implies more than to awaken from sleep, for it is a heedful care and observing anything we desire to keep safe, yet in a metaphorical sense it is applied to the mind, and so it is a circumspect and wise care in observing the frame and deportment of the whole soul. It is first a circumspect care, so those 
two words the apostle uses as our prayer import. Ephesians 6, 18 signifies such a watching as not to lay the eyes together. It denotes not the least tendency to sleep. It is a military kind of term, said Grotius, taken from the watchings in war, which are usually most strict. In Colossians 4.2, it is such a watching wherein men stir and rouse themselves up. It is also a wise care. Watching is nothing but the exercise of prudence. And this watching must be of the whole soul. Every faculty must be observed. As on every avenue there is a sentinel, so on every faculty there must be a watch. And have we not a need to thus watch against sin and unto duty? Shall Satan be watchful and we be drowsy? Shall he continually go about seeking whom he may devour and we not be circumspect to consider how we may deliver ourselves out of his paws? It was certainly an upbraiding to the disciples in Mark 14.37. Simon, sleepest thou? Could you not watch with me one hour? Judas did not sleep. They were not so diligent to save their master as Judas was to betray him. And is it not a great reproach to a Christian that he is not as watchful to save himself as the devil is to destroy him? Exercise watchfulness over your corrupt natures. The devil may tempt us, but he cannot hurt us. Without our consent, he may persuade, but he cannot compel. Our corrupt nature is the tinder upon which Satan strikes all his sparks. As bird lime is made from the dung of birds, so Satan's snares are made out of the dispositions that are in the heart to sin. The alchemists who boasts of turning iron into silver and copper into grass assign the ground from the subalternation of metals that there is a disposition in those metals to receive the highest quality of the other. So, Satan forms his temptations upon our innate disposition. He draws out into act those latent dispositions in us. Watch over the master sin, the bosom sin. Watch strictly over this one. That was episode 17 of The Wiles of Satan by William Spurstow.